Hey, homies. I'm Katie. I'm Sydney. And this is Something Sick. What's up? I almost said howdy, <laughs> but I don't say that. Howdy. <laughs> Let us know if you think either of us has any accent. Oh, yeah. I'm curious. I do feel like sometimes my Kentucky comes out a little bit. I don't know. But that's okay. I'll live with it. Leave us a note in the comments of our Instagram <laughs> if you think Sydney has a Southern accent. Oh, gosh. <laughs> also, give us a review. <laughs> <laughs> a nice one. A nice one, please. <laughs> We're fragile. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Usually we plan like a little bit of what to say in the beginning of an episode. Shh, don't tell them. What, that we planned it yeah. out? Oh. I'm sure they've said that before. I was just going to say we didn't this time, yeah. and so we're a little well, anyways, lost. By this time, we will be, you hear this one, we'll be back from our vacation. Rip. <laughs> I uh, miss it. <laughs> and then our know. next episode, we will tell you all about it. Oh, yeah. Because we have to pre-record this one. Yeah. But we will tell you. We're on top of things. Yeah. We're not letting you miss a week. (laughs) If we see any ghosts or hear anything cool about true crime, we will let you know. Heck yes. We're so excited. Really can't wait. Yes. Well, what what are we talking about today? So today we are talking about Phil Spector and the murder of Lana Clarkson. I picked this partially because it's just very interesting, but also... Phil Spector is like a super well-known record producer, Mm -hmm. and I just think it's fascinating. Me and Katie, for our listeners, graduated from college with degrees in music business. Music business. So, I don't know. I was just like, I thought it was kind of interesting to... I've literally never heard of him. His name? I don't know if his name sounds familiar to me just because i read it when i was pulling up your document oh, yeah. or if because i've heard of it before but it, i don't know yeah in my head it sounds mm-hmm. familiar but i don't know it could be i just read that earlier and yeah but it's like he's like worked with really big people and stuff and so it's just like i'm like did i not really hear about him because he's a murderer <laughs> or let's hope yeah let's really hope we said get rid of his legacy yeah yeah that one don't look him up actually it one song he worked on was really gross oh yeah yeah so we're gonna start by talking about lana clarkson so lana was born april 5th 1962 in long beach california and she grew up in sonoma county california which is like northern so they like moved north did she live in wine country probably i really don't know anything about california me neither We've never been. (laughs) No. Um, In 1978, when Lana was about 16, her dad died, unfortunately. And at that point, her family moved back to SoCal and lived in the San Fernando Valley just outside of L.A. Ah, yes. So. I know where all of that is. That's why I like. Yeah. yeah. But the people in California know. Yes. I know. I know. NorCal and SoCal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And L.A. You know so much. So it was then that Lana decided that she wanted to be in the entertainment industry. So Lana started to pursue a career as an actress and fashion model. She was very beautiful, had like blonde hair. She was so cute. And in 1982, she landed a role as a minor character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Dang. 
And she had several other like small roles. Like she was mostly an extra, I think, in most things. Um, she was like a background dancer in Scarface oh. at like a club scene. I'm just thinking about Michael Bolton. <laughs> okay. They won't um, get that. Nope. <laughs> Don't ask. Actually, um, do ask. Do ask. <laughs> um, and she like went on to do a lot of other like commercial spots. She had tons of like little things. Um, but eventually Lana started to work with producer Roger Corman, who produced like a lot of like kind of B movies, like lots of fantasy films. Okay. And these became the roles that Lana was most known for. Um, she oftentimes played like a female warrior and love interest. That makes Oh, you know, Warrior is badass. It is. And like, they were definitely like super sexualized roles, oh. which you kind of expect. But also like, it was badass. She played yeah. the lead role of the barbarian queen, oh. who producer Roger Corman called the original Xena. Way to go. So she was like sword fighting and stuff. So it's like, it was cool. Yeah. And she continued to work with Roger Corman a lot. I think there was a sequel to The Barbarian Queen, and I think she worked with him in other movies, too. Okay. And she started to gain kind of like a niche fan base from that. Um, they had, like, fan cons and stuff, and she would, like, sign autographs and, like, take pictures and stuff with fans. Nice. Um, and then other than that, she also had, like, guest appearances in some TV shows and, like, did, like, smaller photo shoots as, like, a model. And, you know, she wasn't, like, a huge star, but she, like, made a name for herself, you know? Good for her. Yeah. And also, in the 1980s, Lana was a regular volunteer at Project Angel Food, which delivered food to people in L.A. who were disabled by HIV and AIDS, oh. which is, like at a time when AIDS was still really feared oh, yeah. by the public. And oh, yeah. so that just shows like she was a really good person. Yeah. And like really cared about people. And so that's really awesome. We love that. Yes. Um, as Lana got older, as in like 30, so quote unquote oh, older. She, oh, I yeah. don't even want to talk about that. Her career started to slow because Hollywood is gross and objectifies women. So she kind of had to start trying to figure out other directions to take her career since she wasn't getting the like overly sexualized roles that she had when she was younger. So at one point she was considering a career in comedy. She was like really funny and she had apparently done like practice stand up routines for her friends. And they're like, she's really good. Like she's funny. <laughs> she's, really she's really good. good. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard for women to oh, get into yeah. comedy now and especially in the 80s and 90s yeah that's i mean if all of your friends are saying that you're good at stand-up i feel like it's one thing to say your friend is funny but yeah. another thing to say that they're like funny enough to do stand-up yeah. like i know i'm not funny enough no, to do stand-up me neither but yeah it's like it makes me think of that class that we had we had a class where we talked about women in entertainment yeah and like people like women don't do well in comedy because people don't think women are funny. Yeah. Even though they are. Like people just the make sense up their of humor minds. Is of, like, so different. It's like our love for Mindy Kaling. And yeah. people don't think that she's funny. If you don't like Mindy Kaling, get out of here. Step off. <laughs> and then go watch the Mindy Project and Never Have I Ever and every other movie she's been in. And then tell me. And then watch your favorite episodes of The Office and tell me she's not funny. Yeah. Anyway, um, women are funny. Mindy and Kaling is funny. Period. <laughs> so. You know, she's still kind of trying to figure out what she's going to do. And in January of 2003, when she was 40 years old, Lana got a part-time job at the House of Blues. 
And she was really excited about this. Yeah, because a lot of high profile people spend time there. And she was like, this is a really good opportunity for me to like kind of network with people. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Exactly. And how old is she at this point? She's 40. 40. And it was like kind of her job to like basically just like let people in and out of like a VIP area. Okay. She's pretty chill. Honestly, pretty much just there to like look pretty and let people in. Okay. And she just got to like meet really cool high profile people. Good. So she was really excited about this. But unfortunately, only a month later, on February 3rd, 2003, Lana would be found dead. Oh. So. Yeah. Now we're going to skip over and we're going to talk a little bit about the villain in our story. The villain. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting a text from work. It's not a big deal. Okay. So. You know that I love an unsolved case, and this is not one. So Uh I have to talk a little bit about this guy and his background. So we have Phil Spector. His name is even... Yeah. Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Phil. Phil. (laughs) So Phil Spector was born on December 26th, 1939 in New York, and he moved to L.A. as a teenager and began a career in the music industry. And he started out as a songwriter and performer, but after a while, I think he kind of realized like he didn't like performing. He had stage fright and just like wasn't oh, really good. Yeah, performer. no, that won't work out. No, but while he was still writing and performing with his first group called the Teddy Bears, um, why? I don't know. How old was he? I think he was like a teenager. Like it, I don't even know. That's kind of gross. Kind of yeah. creepy. So the Colt, Colt, <laughs> the Colt. The co-owner of Gold Star Studios in Hollywood started to tutor Phil on how to produce. Okay. And Phil went on to be a major producer. He produced for Ike and Tina Turner, The Ronettes, The Beatles. Mm-hmm. He produced. That's probably why I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. It's, I probably when we ta- learned about The Beatles. So. Yeah. He produced a bunch of iconic songs, including Be My Baby, the entire Let It Be album. Oh my God. Imagine by John Lennon. I've definitely. Yeah. Happy Christmas War is Over. Yeah. Like a lot of big songs. I, we, I definitely yeah. heard about him in school. And this is also another reason you probably heard of him. He also created the trademark Wall of Sound. Oh, in yeah, which they talk- like doubled and tripled instruments. I was in band, so yes, yeah. we talked about that all. So the time. that is like his thing. He created that. Maybe I've probably heard about him several times. Okay, yeah, it's not just me reading your notes, like what your notes <laughs> were earlier. It was uh- so. Um, that's the cool stuff Phil Spector did, and now we're gonna get into some of the red flags and reasons why he's a terrible person. Ah, red flags. Great. There's always there's always red flags. Oh, there's a lot. Always. So, at one point, while recording with John Lennon, Phil pulled out a handgun and f- just fired a shot. Just like I don't like that. Not at anyone, just like randomly. That's why do you need a gun to do that? Why do you have to do that? Yeah. Sorry. Um, that's my personal. No, opinion. okay. <laughs> we have more. Phil really loved guns. Oh no. And we have a lot more about that. Um. In 1974, Phil was in a near-fatal car crash, during which he suffered severe head injuries. Oh, darn. So that's not good. We know how those go. Yeah. (laughs) He needed over 700 total stitches to his face and head. What did he look like? Is this where you want me to look at a photo of him? Well, I do want you to look at a photo of him. So he wore, like, really crazy wigs later in life, and it was partially because 
like he, the stitches his hair and like his head oh, like God. he couldn't grow hair i think after the that car crash and stuff i will show you what he looks like he is creepy looking 700 stitches. well first of all this is <laughs> this is him at one point i don't like him <laughs> how do you get your hair to, is that a wig oh yeah that's the wig that's huge and then his his mugshot's really terrifying let me find it <laughs> oh no <laughs> isn't that scary <laughs> I'm going to yeah. have a nightmare with that. <laughs> no. So guys, his eyes are in your soul. <laughs> yeah. Is, are you going to post it? Probably. Okay. It's really it creepy. It looks like a, like is something that you would draw for like a scary. Yeah. It looks like it would like be the girl and like, I never actually have seen those like the grudge or anything like that. That's but not that's what the grudge what I, looks like. No, I imagine that's what they look like if you move their hair back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. So he had a really bad head injuries, and considering what we know about head injuries and murder, that's a little alarming. Hand in hand. Um, head injuries and violent outbursts later are also intensified by substance abuse and mental health issues. Which, did he have both? Yeah, oh, he showed some evidence of those. Red flags on red flags yeah. on red flags. So now we're getting back into a little more of his other um, incidents with guns. Um, Phil also worked with the Ramones, and Dee Dee Ramone said that at one point he tried to leave a session and Phil pointed a gun at him. Uh, so yeah, a red flag. Yeah, I would pee my pants probably. Yeah. And it sounds like Phil pointing guns at people happened like pretty regularly. Why would you work with him? That's the thing. Why would you, if you knew that he did that? It's so ridiculous. And he was it's like, mostly men. So yeah, well, I don't we'll get into it. I questioned their judgment a little bit. <laughs> So Phil was like a smaller guy and he did have a license to carry. And so it seems like it was kind of his way of like trying to act tough. Little you know? guy syndrome. Little guy syndrome. And everyone says, you know, like no one who was ever around Phil actually thought he would shoot someone. But like they all say that. Exactly. And also I'm about to talk about some people who I'm sure would argue, oh, I would have guessed that he would shoot someone, you know? Yeah. Like, there are people that I'm sure might not be speaking up, but who are scared of him. Oh, yeah. So, now we're going to get into the issue of Phil's romantic relationships. Oh, yay. In 1963, he How married... How the ugly ones always have romantic relationships? Um, so, in 1963, he married Annette Marar. And while they were still married, he began an affair with Veronica Bennett, later known as Ronnie Spector, who is the lead singer of the Ronettes, who Phil managed and produced for. So that's a bad power dynamic right off the bat. Yeah. Were they married already? They did get married later. So when he produced them, they were not? Um, I think they... So they were together for a total of seven years. And I do think that they like started dating when he was already producing them. I actually didn't look that up. I should okay. but that's okay. The power dynamic wouldn't be as weird if they were like dating before that. No, I don't think it was before. Okay. Then, I think yeah. that then it's weird. I think that they met through him producing for them. Okay, yeah, that's so. weird. Um so Ronnie and Phil got married in nineteen sixty eight and they adopted a son together. And later How old was she? I don't actually know. Okay. Hmm. I, so know, maybe I the power dynamic is not as weird if they're the same age or close to the same age. She was five years younger. Okay, that's not that bad. So, not that bad. But still, okay. But if they got together in 63, she would have been like, she would have been 20. Oh, he was 25? Yeah. And And he was already more settled in his career by that point. Yeah, and I'm going to say she probably didn't go to like a lot of school then. And so she was probably more naive. Like, 
Yeah, it's just she it's didn't still have little, as much life experience. Yeah. yeah. So, and so she was 25 then when she adopted a kid because you said it was 68. 68. Yeah. So they got married in 68 and adopted a son together. And later, Phil adopted twins as a Christmas present for Ronnie. You don't do that. Also, I don't like that her name is Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I isn't that gross that he adopted twins as a present? How did he how did they let him? That's my thing. I'm like that has to be because he was Had like money. rich and powerful. Yeah. Because that is messed up. Yeah. Also kids don't like fix problems. So if you guys are having no. problems, that's not I don't know if they were, but Yeah. Gosh. So Ronnie and Phil did separate and it wasn't pretty and later on in 1990 she put out a memoir and kind of detailed some stuff, so yeah, so we're going to get into some of the things that happened during their relationship. Okay. And they had three kids. Three kids. So first off, he, quote unquote, allegedly sabotaged her career and kept her from per- performing, which... I believe that. Yeah, it's not allegedly. Like, long after they had divorced in 94, the Ronettes... After this memoir came out? Yes. Okay. Four years after their memoir came out. The Ronettes were being considered for induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Phil, who had been inducted five years earlier, wrote a letter to the committee and, Saying like... Saying that she shouldn't? ...argued that they shouldn't. That's stupid. Which is just, Did like, they not get in? They didn't. They didn't... They did later, I think, in, like, 2007. Okay. So it was delayed by, like, 13 years. Wow. That's Which is absurd. Yeah. Um, like I said, in 1990, Ronnie put out a memoir in which she don't, I know I said it weird. I was going to try and breeze past it. I I was going to try, but I really couldn't. Memoir. It's hard for me to say. Do you think Sydney has an accent? Okay. No one answered that. So in this, she alleged that Phil had this good's dark imprisoned her in his home oh my god yeah and psychologically abused her so he surrounded the house with barbed wire and guard dogs stop laughing at me sorry that sounded like you had an accent (laughs) sorry and it's not funny he also no i'm laughing at her stop making fun of me i'm not making fun of you it just it just sounded like you said something with an accent okay you make fun of how I say the word egg. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we're going to be serious okay. again. Um, because he also took away all of her shoes to no. keep her from leaving. No. Um, she even said that there were times that she was allowed to leave alone, but she had to drive with a life-size dummy of him Ew. in the passenger seat. Did he make it himself? I don't know. I couldn't find anything else on that. I don't want to know. Actually, no. I don't want to know. Like, think of what he looks like as a human. No way. And imagine that as a dummy. I mean, it's probably not that far off. (laughs) So. He's creepy. She also said that Phil installed a gold coffin in the basement and basically said, like, if you leave me, that's going to be where you are. Okay, it's gold. (laughs) Sorry. No. That's that's terrifying. Yes. Don't do that, man. No, that's, it's so messed up. So according to Ronnie, she escaped his home barefoot in 1972 with the help of her mom. Good. And they officially got divorced in 1974. And in their settlement, Ronnie forfeited all future earnings from her records and also surrendered custody of her children. That's terrible. How? Um, Yeah. So um, Phil threatened to hire a hitman to kill her. Oh my gosh. And he didn't get in trouble for this. Yep. So it's cool. 
Does she does she get her kids later? I don't think so. Oh. Um he Where also Where did they go? He wasn't taking care of them, I'm sure. So I do think that they went to him. The last thing on them is that he also pulled a handgun on her multiple times during their marriage oh. and threatened to kill her. Yeah, I would then say, yeah, he would shoot at someone. Yeah. You know? So the sons this is why I do think that they went to live with Phil. I couldn't find a whole lot about them, probably because they were young and they're trying to protect Good. their privacy. Um, but two of the sons also alleged that Phil had kept them captive as children. Oh, yeah. And they did report that there was sexual abuse going on at the oh. hands of Phil and also like one of his girlfriends that he had. That's horrific. Yeah. So. He's disgusting. He's awful. So there's all of these. Without murdering someone yet. He's already awful. He's disgusting. Yeah. So all of this goes on. And still no one's doing anything about Phil Spector. I, I'm i glad I don't live in L.A. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. Like that part of the entertainment world, it sounds miserable to me. Yeah. At least back, especially back then. I don't know what it's 100% like today, but. Yeah. So by this point, he had previously pulled a gun on at least four women. No. In each case, he had been drinking and got angry when a woman rejected his advances. Um. In some instances, the women were not sure whether the gun was loaded or not, but either way, really scary. It doesn't scary. matter. Whenever yep. you point a gun at something, you're supposed to assume it's loaded. Yeah. Like, that's the number. I don't actually know much about guns, except <laughs> I know that. that. Yeah. But despite all this, he continued to be a well-known producer. He wasn't as active throughout, like, the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. But he was still around. He's winning awards. I mean, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame this in 89. This sounds a lot to me like people trying to separate the art from the, the artist. artist. Yeah. yeah. And being like, oh, but his art side is really good. Like, and it's like, no, no, he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else can do what he's doing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So on February 2nd, 2003, we're skipping back ahead. Phil Spector was picked up by a chauffeur and he had a usual chauffeur. But this night there was a stand in and this man was Adriano D'Souza. And he was a Brazilian student and his English wasn't perfect, but he did speak it pretty well. Okay. And there had never before this point been any issues of a language barrier. And this guy was a crucial witness. Great. Against him? Against him. Okay. And people later try and like pick on his language, essentially. That's so rude. Which is so dumb. So yeah. So that night, Adriano picked up Phil and took him to various Hollywood clubs. They went to Trader Vic's and Dan Tana's, at which Phil drank a lot. He was reportedly drinking 150 proof tequila. Oh, I don't really know what that is. What that means. Like most, like the tequila I have is like 80 proof. Okay. Well, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot. Um, How do you know that? I looked at it the other day, actually. Oh, so you did not really know what that meant originally. I mean, I've heard that. I know what like, I had never is. heard of that. Yeah. Okay. I think it means it's like 75% alcohol. Okay. I think it's like half of the proof is the alcohol percentage. I don't really know. Interesting. Do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I for sure know nothing. So... <laughs> so. At the time, Phil was also receiving treatment for bipolar disorder, and so he was mixing drinking with those medications, which is never good. Sounds healthy, you know? No. Phil had two separate dates throughout the course of the night. It does sound like one of them might have been just like a friend. I don't know. I'm sure he did something gross. Yeah. The second date, her name was Katie Sullivan, and she went to the House of Blues with him. 
And by like 2 a.m., she was like, I'm ready to go home. And she ordered a water and Phil allegedly yelled at her and told her that if she wanted to drink water, she could go home. That's what she wants to do. And he just had Adriano drive her home. That's where she wants to go. Which is, yeah, I do think he was like very aggressive with it, like yeah. cussed her out and like. But I'm happy she got to go home. Me too. So she's like, that's all it took for you, you to let me go home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Do you not have to be a jerk about it? <laughs> like, okay, I'll leave. So Lana was working at the House of Blues that night. I assumed. Yeah. And she actually at first mistook Phil for a woman because of his wigs. Oh. He was wearing like a like shoulder length like black wig that night. Yeah. And so. How she, mad did that make? <laughs> yeah. So Phil was like walking upstairs towards like, I think it was like a men's only room. Okay. And so Lana stopped him. And was kind of just like, you're a woman, you, ma'am, you can't go in there. <laughs> and Phil got furious and like started yelling at her. And another employee pulled Lana aside and like told her who he was <laughs> and was like, you need to like make sure you treat him well. Like he's a big deal kind yeah. of thing. So for the rest of her shift, Lana was basically just doing everything she could to like get back into his good graces yeah and honestly phil probably loved this because yeah. she's a beautiful woman waiting on him hand and foot yeah i'm sure so by the end of the night um phil and lana had talked a little bit and his attention had really turned to her and like he was over it now liked oh, her oh yeah she gave him attention exactly and so as she was leaving her shift and walking outside to get a taxi and go home he followed her outside creepy and convinced her to go home with him for a nightcap and he did a lot of convincing lana was not interested He's not cute no and she was 40 and he was 65 yeah no and she's an, a smart she's been around yeah I've been around a while and so he did a lot of convincing and eventually Lana said yes. And I'm sure part of it was that she didn't want to displease him. Yeah. He's rich and powerful. Yeah. And she wants her job. Exactly. And he comes back and says, I don't like this woman. Exactly. She could lose her job. So Phil and Lana left the club in the limousine driven by Adriano. And on the drive, they watched a movie called Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye. Oh. Which is just really dark. Yeah. So. Jeez. Adriano drove Lana and Phil to Phil's mansion, which is referred to as the Pyrenees Castle, like okay. everywhere, which is just like stupid. Yeah. Like, just call it his home. I don't care. Yeah. So two hours after they got there, Lana would be dead. Oh my gosh. He moved fast. Yeah. So Do you think he has murdered someone before? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. He didn't really pull it off well. So Okay. I was just wondering. <laughs> so. Adriano was waiting outside and he heard a gunshot and oh, Phil came out the back door of the house with the gun in his hand, according to Adriano. Okay. And Phil said, I think I killed someone. And you think? Yeah. So this is the phrase that Phil's defense would later question. Um, they questioned Adriano's legitimate legitimacy as a witness because at different times he kind of like phrased it differently uh i would rather it be a little bit inaccurate if it's too rehearsed then you know i feel like it's more of a lie exactly you know? and so they argued that like he was like wasn't credible and they argued that like he meant that phil said i think someone's been shot or something along those lines okay. and it's like that doesn't make any sense no. who else would have shot them yeah and also it's like first of all <laughs> This guy, the language barrier had never been an issue. Yeah. 
And then also it's like he's in the middle of an extremely stressful situation in which his boss just shot someone. Yeah. So like he's probably not going to remember exactly what he said. No, 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 no. I wouldn't. I mean, I, I don't have that language barrier at all. Like nothing. And I would be like, still like, I not think remember. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, there's like conversations. Like I'm very guilty of like replaying conversations over and over. And I feel like the further removed from that situation, I like, I'm like, did it actually sound like that? Did it yeah. like this act? Was it actually this way? Like, you can think exactly. that in a non-stressful situation yeah. like that happens. So Adriano called 911. Good. And on the phone with him, he said, I think my boss killed somebody. <laughs> yeah. And he, they asked him why. And he said that Phil had a gun in his hand and that Lana was on the floor. So he saw her. Yes. I'm glad he called the police. Which there are some discrepancies between the crime scene and what Adriano said, but Maybe I also he think just that he waited outside. I think that he might have either peaked. Yeah. Or honestly, I think that Phil kind of staged the scene. Okay. Because I'll tell you what the police found. Okay. So when police arrived, they could kind of see Phil like inside like pacing. Yeah. And like their police were freaking out because they don't know what's going on. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go in there. Phil eventually came outside and he was clearly drunk. And he basically told police, like, you're not going to believe what you find inside. I hate when these idiots say something like that. Like, why don't you go see? Yeah. From the, from the Twilight murder thing. Yeah. It's like, you'll never believe. Mm-hmm. Like, you sound so gross. And so there was, like, a whole long thing where the police were trying to arrest him. And they, like, kept telling him to put his hands up. And he, like, kept forgetting and putting them down. And then the police would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Put your hands up. So finally, they arrested him and police entered the house. And there they found Lana Clarkson inside, slumped in a chair with a 36 Colt revol- revolver under her left ankle. So that's kind of where I think that Phil might have staged it. Yeah, that feels weird. Because Adriano said that she was on the ground. Yeah. And then also, Phil had had the gun. Oh, and yeah. And the gun is under her ankle now. Oh, yeah. That would make sense. She had been shot. How would it get under her left ankle? Exactly. Especially if she was right-handed, which I'm assuming. Yeah. Like, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You're not going to like this. She had been shot in the mouth. Oh. And her teeth were, like, scattered around her. Mm. Sorry. That was probably a weird sound for (laughs) all Yeah. And she also had her purse, like, over her shoulder as if she'd been, like, getting ready to leave. Oh, no. He doesn't like when people leave. Yeah. Does he have abandonment issues? Probably. I don't know. So Phil later told Esquire, which is like, why are you giving interviews to murderers, Esquire? Why? Yeah. But he told them that Lana's death was an accidental suicide. Accidental. Accidental suicides are not a thing, right? No. No. Well, it's like, I mean. I had to make sure that I was right, but like. It's just like. It's not like they were playing Russian roulette. Like, no. And he literally, so he gave a story and it doesn't match up with his story at all. Like with that at all. Yeah. Um, he said, he also said at one point that Lana kissed the gun. It's like, I would no. never do that. I don't think this 40 year old no. smart woman would do that. And so he basically like when he's telling his story to the police, like acted it out. And he's like, Lana like went over and like opened up this the drawer that the gun was in and like picked it up and walked over to the chair and sat down and shot herself and like first of all lana had never been to his house she doesn't know that there's a gun in that drawer yeah 
And Phil had guns literally all over the house, like displayed. Yeah. So if she wanted to do that, why not go for one of those? Yeah. And not one that's hidden. Also, they wouldn't have known it was a hidden one. So the they did know that it was in the drawer because there was a holster and it was empty and it was for that gun. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, how would they yeah. know that? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, she wouldn't know where that is. No. And also throughout the whole thing, he's like acting like pissed at her. Like, I can't believe... I can't believe you've done this. Yeah, like, he's, like, angry that she did this to him, essentially, which is just, like, he shows, like, no humanity through it at all. I don't think he, I mean, nothing you've said so far has told me that he has any. No. So, forensics could not find Phil's fingerprints on the gun, but they also couldn't find Lana's fingerprints on the gun. He cleaned it. Yeah. She can't clean that. No, it has been wiped clean. There were no fingerprints on the gun. Yeah. Whatsoever. There was also. wearing gloves, right? Exactly. No. And also, Lana had died downstairs, but there was blood, like, all the way up the banister, and then on different, like, doorknobs upstairs, and then there was, like, blood splatter a little bit on a coat that was in Phil's closet. Oh. Was he wearing that coat earlier? I don't think... I couldn't find it. So, like, maybe. Maybe. I couldn't find that anywhere, though. But there's no reason for there to have been blood anywhere else in the house. No. If Lana did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, well, I don't think she did it. So, no. Um, Lana had obviously shown no sides signs of being suicidal. She had just yeah. gotten this new job. She was really excited about it. Um, her family was like, she was absolutely not depressed. Yeah. Um, she had also like literally gone shopping with her mom that day. Yeah. And bought like new shoes for work and stuff. Like, yeah, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, she was making plans for the future. Yeah, and stuff. Which people who are suicidal don't really do yeah and um the autopsy was done and it was officially ruled a homicide and the prosecution later brought forward experts that testified that people rarely commit suicide on a whim and almost never at the house of a complete stranger no because that makes no sense you do that um and also lana's blood alcohol level was decently high but they'd been at phil's house for two hours so Mm -hmm. they could have been a couple drinks in at that point i mean if she's still trying to please him exactly like yeah she's gonna have a drink so phil remained on remained free on one million dollar bail while awaiting trial that doesn't feel like enough for a guy like him no it's like that's nothing to him yeah and he dragged out the trial for a long time because he could essentially gross so in november 2003 phil Spector was officially charged and he hired robert shapiro as his lawyer oj's lawyer Uh, um but phil Spector later dropped shapiro he didn't really get along with him and he went through a ton of other lawyers including leslie abramson who defended one of the menendez brothers oh so he's really picking really yeah, stand-up people. <laughs> Great. I mean... For him, like, sure. I, I mean, guess. I guess they're good lawyers. Like, that doesn't make them bad lawyers, but it's like, you're picking lawyers who defended people that... The Menendez brothers were guilty. Yeah. And OJ. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the public definitely... It's like, they defended people that the public was pretty sure did. Yeah. Like, so it's like, they're Very not going to like you. controversial cases. Yeah. <laughs> um, Leslie Abramson also stopped representing him i actually didn't even write down the name of the guy who ended up representing him but whatever he like that's important i know that he represented a mob boss like several times (laughs) um at one point phil Spector also made a video of himself like defending himself 
They and always he, they always want to do that. He really wanted it to like go online, which it never did. But there are like parts of it that people have seen. And he's basically just saying like in it, like I didn't have a motive. Like he's not talking about the emotional side of like, I would never kill someone. He's talking about like, why would I kill her? I didn't have a motive. Like, yeah, it's like that's like, feels, I don't think you've ever had a motive to point a gun at someone. You just did it. It's like that feels really suspicious. Like, yeah. So during the first trial, the defense forensics expert was accused of hiding crucial evidence that could have proved that Phil was guilty. Hmm. I almost called him Richard. I don't know. <laughs> um, Weird. So the judge declared a mistrial due to a hung jury Mm. and there was a retrial and the retrial resulted in phil specter being found guilty of second degree murder as well as using a firearm in the commission of a crime which added four years so on april 13th 2009 six years after lana was murdered phil specter was given 19 years to life okay which doesn't feel like enough yeah but he's also old but yeah um Lana's family did sue Phil Spector for wrongful death, and they won that suit. Good. So that's good. And Phil will not be getting out. Because he died? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. He had various health issues, including a benign tumor on his larynx, with le- which left him unable to speak. And that feels appropriate. 81 years old in December of 2020... Oh, did COVID take him out? Phil tested positive for COVID-19. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Which is just like, I don't want to celebrate anyone. I'll celebrate him. He's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to celebrate COVID taking anyone out, but. No, he's a murderer. Yeah. So he died in an outside hospital on January 16th, 2021. <laughs> so he would have been eligible for parole in 2024. So. That. Feels he sucks. That feels good. <laughs> the yeah. end. Yeah. Screw him. Yeah. He sucks. Oh, he got COVID. Yeah, I know. I, when I was like researching and I was like, oh, he's dead. What happened? And then I was like, oh. So yeah, that is the story. Of- Everyone else, if you're not a murderer, get your vaccine. Yeah, get vaxxed, guys, please. <laughs> if you're not a murderer. <laughs> I don't really care if you are. If you're a murderer, I don't really care what you do. <laughs> I do. Stay in prison, but Stay like, in prison. I, like, I mean, vaccine wise, <laughs> I don't really care if you go on or not. Um, yeah. So he sucks. Yeah. And um, we shouldn't celebrate his work. Screw him. Yeah. Let other producers have a chance. Producers that aren't. Yeah. Really horrible people. Yeah. That's- Shout out to the good people that are producers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely heard of him before. Well, let's erase his name from history. <laughs> yeah, it's probably kind of hard. Yeah. But let's teach that in music business classes. Let's teach, hey, this guy invented this, but he sucks. So yeah. uh, let's not give him credit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the Wall of Sound was created by a nameless producer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rewrite the history. Yeah. Of this I was about to start singing Rewrite the Stars. Oh. But then I stopped. We could be copyrighted. <laughs> Um, Speaking of Zendaya and Tom Holland. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if that's real. I hope it's real. I do too. Anyways. Anyways. We the it was Zendaya. <laughs> um, we just turn into like a pop culture podcast. <laughs> so you guys know. <laughs> when the whole time you were saying Lana, I was just thinking of Too Hot to Me Handle. Me too. Oh 
my gosh. If you haven't seen that show, don't watch it. It's kind of dumb, but it is dumb. Yeah. We still but watched I also it, was thinking but that. they have the little host is a robot and her name is Lana. Yeah. So. I also, when I was doing this one, because the main video that I watched for like most of the background information before I did like my deep dive mm-hmm. was by a girl named Eleanor Neal. And she has like a, I think maybe she's like from Wales or something. Like she oh. has like a accent and I was like hearing them in her We're accent. saying Lana yeah. <laughs> with a British accent. A lot of people on Too Out to Handle were British, especially yeah. this season. And I actually don't even know if that's where she's from. I don't know where she's from. But anyway, um, you guys should follow us. On Instagram at Something Sick Podcast or on Twitter at A Sick Podcast or on TikTok at Something Sick Podcast or send us an email at Something Sick Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next time, homies. Peace out. Bye. Bye.